Hi, I'm Sean Hanif, and you're listening to Life of an Entrepreneur. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Life of an Entrepreneur, which is my life. It's been a, a very, very interesting week. In this episode, I'm going to be kind of giving you a breakdown of what's been going on, you know, as I normally do. Obviously, massive week as a Black Friday. I had a board meeting and progressing lots of different things within the business. So I'm going to be telling about that. And um, then actually, the day you're listening to this Monday is actually my birthday. I turned 33. So just going to give you a bit top line of kind of like what I've learned in the past year and generally being 33. Um, and especially for anyone who's younger and listening, hopefully you'll kind of hear some uh, valuable insight. Um, if you don't know much about me. My name is Sean Hanif. I am the CEO of a company called Genflow. I've been an entrepreneur since I was young age. I started selling online um, at a very young age. Actually, before that, I was 11 years old when I started my first business, which was renting PlayStation games, lots of online businesses, studied accounting, went to university, decided to stop working and start my own business. And essentially, now I'm here. I've been uh, left my job seven years ago. It's been five years I guess of starting Genflow, but generally I would say I've been an entrepreneur from early as I can remember, like flipping things, making money, doing things. It's how my brain kind of works. Um, so yeah, I decided to make this podcast mainly because one, I love kind of just speaking straight from my thoughts, no planning, no nothing. And I make no notes. It's just pure speaking from whatever comes to my mind. Um, and it really helps me because it feels like I'm kind of just saying the things that I'm thinking and that normally helps me process them better. Um, I have a slight problem that I think so much and my mind kind of works so fast at times that I struggle to like sleep. I struggle to slow down. Um, so this podcast is a great way for that. So if you're listening, firstly, thank you so much. Um, the podcast is doing well every single week. There's a new episode every Monday. Very different from what you hear from others. I'm not interviewing other people, abstractly talking about stuff. This is what it's like being an entrepreneur. So with that being said, let's get into the episode. And yeah, Black Friday week, just uh, finishing obviously today's Cyber Monday. I think first of all, it's been, it's been very interesting this year because on the one hand, we have done the most sales we've ever done. A lot, lot of our creators have set records. We set a record at Jamflow. So, you know, couldn't be happier because um, success is success. At the same time, there are a lot of challenges too. So generally speaking, I think Black Friday isn't as popular as it was before. And I think it's actually getting hard now just to get the attention of the audience because sell, 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 sell everywhere you look. And how to cut through that um, is not so easy. So we try lots of things and I've actually made a lot of content on this. You might have seen on YouTube and Instagram and stuff. I kind of talked about this, talked about this in the previous podcast too, just having different strategies, being agile. And we're doing all of that. But I would say... It's getting exhausting and it'll be interesting over the next few years what really happens with Black Friday as it's become more of a commercial thing worldwide. Obviously, it's normally a US after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, but now in the whole world, you know, people um, are using Black Friday as a, as a thing to run sales, especially in the UK. We don't have nothing to do with Thanksgiving. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving, but we've started, our UK businesses have started doing Black Friday sales as a commercial opportunity. So yeah, but I think besides that, also, um, obviously, I've been very away from the day to day of the business, for those of you that know that. And, um, you know, it's been interesting to seeing it from afar. I had input on a certain amount of things, but generally it's the first time 
a lot has happened without me being involved. So, you know, it feels great, feels good. It shows that we can do it. For us now, obviously, a lot of our clients are fitness-based creators that we work with because the history of the business. So January is another thing for us to hopefully push on and all the learnings that we've learned. I think the biggest thing we learned is just how cross-functional in the business things can work. I, I guess my advice or learning from here is that planning ahead obviously does help. But when you are in the moment, you do need to have like we have like daily morning standups across the whole team, across the whole teams, about 20 people who were involved in Black Friday, just that togetherness. We obviously have a very remote culture. But for this um, Black Friday week, we had everybody in the office. We were looking at the numbers daily and looking at the tactics daily, just a real together team way of working. You got to think of it as I always think of it as like a football team all the different players have to like work together and someone has to lead it, someone has to manage it, someone has to keep checking how it's going, why, change things. And I think the biggest thing um, I have learned is that you just can't take anything personal because you can come up with a, you think is an amazing idea, but it might just not be. And it's okay. It might just not be because someone else has a better idea. It might just not be because what customers actually behave like, what the audience actually did. So that's the interesting thing. Because a number of little tactical stuff, for example... If it's a subscription business, putting a sale on all tiers of subscription, probably not the smartest thing we've seen. We've seen things like the sale not being large enough compared to a previous release that that brand had done. So people didn't think the deal was good enough. How does the deal uh, stack up with the other things? Also very interesting. A lot of big brands went with the messaging like up to like 80% off, even if it's one item on 80% versus saying up to 30% off. So I think that's quite interesting. Obviously, PLT, pretty little thing for those people that know the, obviously it's a very, very massive brand owned by the Boohoo Group. It's a billion dollar brand. Um, you know, they did up to 100%. And obviously that made a massive controversy. Is it, is it ethical? How can they do 100%? But the point is they're doing that to just cut through the noise. So cutting through the noise is the hardest thing. You know, when I see all the brands on Instagram, I get the ads, I feel sorry for them because I'm like, man, no one's going to buy your 15% off. Like, and it's, and the messaging is so bland that you're not cutting through. How, how, why would someone really want to stop and shop your brand, you know, if, if they don't know them? So I think it's interesting just watching, but you know, moving on from there. So basically this week we had a board meeting and, um, was great. Gave a good operation update on what's happening with the business, but we quickly got into the big thing, obviously, for, for you guys that listen to this, you know that I'm moving into the fundraise mode. Um, you know, I raised 11 million, which uh, I announced in January this year. And now it's time to move on. It's time to move to the next thing. And the truth is, it was a great meeting because it was my first time I sat and actually, I did put a bit of effort in. I put six, seven slides together and I had an understanding of what I'm trying to say. And it was the first time I actually told the board quite clearly what the vision is now and what do I want to do. And for those of you that know me, you know, we started a, a, as a business that helps creators launch brands, but now we're thinking about audience. And audience is, is the main thing in the world. Like everybody in the world wants a larger audience. What I mean by audience essentially is getting customers, which is the hardest problem for any brand full stop. This is nothing to do with creators or Genflow or anything, just in general, right? That if you want to grow anything, you need people. People need to come and pay. So what we realize is that audience is actually the game that we're in. We're not in the game of brands. And I think that's the key learning for me and for me to present, that audience is the game and we're here to monetize audiences. That's what Genflow does. And today, we, we, for the last five years, we've been doing that by selling content with creators. We've been doing that by selling 
setting up brands, selling product. Um, and we do lots of other things too, like managing brand deals, sponsorship deals, um, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, just kind of having that clarity on like, what is that which are actually trying to do here and how big is that opportunity? And the truth is, I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again, the market has been defined. The creator economy is now worth 100 billion. There's 50 million creators, 2 million of them and more than 100,000 a year. And that's our target market. So they call it TAM, total addressable market. So basically in that 2 million, I now need to calculate what's our addressable market in that 2 million, because obviously there's 2 million creators, but they'll involve all sorts. In that, I need to splice that up into, is that beauty, is that fitness, is that this, where are they, where are they located, which are English speaking, which are this. So I need to now work out the actual amount for us as part of like this uh, investment round. But anyway, you're speaking with the board, being very clear, like telling them this is the plan and this is what I want to do. We want to start raising and yeah, everybody was on board. So I guess it means um, it's over to me now. Now it's my job. So now the fun begins because I need to go out there, make the best possible pitch that I possibly can and, uh, you know, go and raise a shitload of money and uh, keep keep pushing forwards. In that, there's a massive thing happening in the world, right, with Web3. And I want to be all over it. That's the truth. I've been spending my time learning about it, spending my time understanding what is going on, understanding blockchain, understanding the different currencies, understanding what does that mean? How do you build on top of stuff, etc., etc. Because the truth is, the world's going to change. No longer Facebook, Google, etc. will own your data, will own your audience. It's going to become decentralized. It's going to be people are going to be owners themselves of whatever. So basically, what that means is, let's just say in the future, if you're a YouTuber, you would own your own audience. You would not be reliant on a third party in case they just close your account and everything's gone. You will own the, own the data. And one further step from that, it wouldn't just be that. It would be that your community, your audience will own a piece of it with you because that's what the people want as well. Audiences want to be closer to creators, full stop, because that's what they consume day in, day out. So imagine in a world where... You could, be the first, you could be part of a thousand subscribers. So the whole thing of NFTs, for those of you that, uh, I'm assuming you know what that is, right? So it's a way for you to be a holder of a token, for instance. That's what it is. So if, if we give a real example. So imagine you're a YouTuber um, and you thousand subscribers are going to become super subscribers. They're going to get a percentage in the revenue. They get to see their content before anybody else. They get to then hold that NFT as a token and they can show that off on social media. Maybe there's a gallery on the social media, something like that. And so imagine people can own a piece of whatever you're doing as a creator. Because ultimately creators already run the world from, an, from a views perspective, from an attention perspective. You know, Mr. Beast recreating this uh, Squid Games, getting 50 million views in a day, is probably as much as it got on Netflix in the first day. It just shows how much power the creators truly have. He's making videos now with four or five million budget per episode or per YouTube video. It's like a TV show. It's just on YouTube. And the format is YouTube because that's what people like. People are not really understanding what's going on. The creators are not, they already have started, but slowly they will be the only form of media left. And your big box media will slowly diminish. Um, of course, you'll have the uh, massive studios and movies and whatever else, but general media as a whole, which he already does, so like your random, 
for the UK people, like Channel 4 TV show, like nobody watches that. Like a random YouTuber has more views than Channel 4. It's just facts. Like that's just known now. Anyway, back to this, but imagine how you could build if people could own and be part of it with the creator. So it's just fascinating and there's so many things we can do here. I think for us for Gemflow, there's a number of things I'm looking into right now. One is um, how do we help obviously creators sell their own NFTs, um, set up their own tokens, maybe even set up their own coins, etc. What's the best tech stack? What's the best way to approach that? Because ultimately when I say monetize audiences, it fits right into that because an NFT is a digital asset, essentially. It's the same as, as I, if I sell a fitness guide, I can sell an NFT. It's the same concept. You're selling something to an audience. But the great thing here is obviously it comes with attached things that you will get in the future. It could even be unknown, but that's what's going to happen. Or, maybe or, slash and, sorry, is that um, we can create a creator NFT marketplace where we... You know, uh, you can go and buy the best creators NFTs in a place. It could be a curated marketplace. We could do it open, meaning that anyone can upload, join, sorry, create their own NFTs and sell them. A bit like OpenSea, but more creator driven. So OpenSea is like an Amazon. Like you just buy, the, buy them and that's it. There's no experience attached to it. The experience is off OpenSea. So I think that there's, there's an opportunity to build something where you get something from the creator, the NFT, but then you also get the experience built into it. Meaning, if that's videos, uh, if that's a, an event, if, if that's a extra communication, if that's like whatever, it could be built into the same platform. And one thing with us here at Gemflow is that we already have that stuff already done, right? Because we already do that with the creators. So when a creator comes to us and they want to give a, a, a special experience to their audience, I already have that. I, I, I've been doing that for five years. So if that was behind the NFT, it's very easy for us to do. So that's an idea. Um, another thing 100% that I'm going to do is launch our own NFTs, which is going to be that it gives you special, I guess, uh, membership to Genflow in some capacity and everything that we do in some capacity. So but I plan to do that, though, alongside um, the new fundraise that when I... When I raise the money, when I announce the fundraise, on the, on, uh, at the same time, I would I want to release our own set of NFTs. Meaning, so I don't know, if you have like the, the basic NFT, it means you get 5% uh, discount on like fees from Gemflow. And this obviously, this is for creators only. Or maybe it's uh, the silver edition NFT, um, which means that every quarter you get to have an in-person session with all the senior people at Gemflow and they're going to say X, Y, Z. Maybe it's gold and wherever Gemflow is investing in this space, you get to invest alongside us, whatever. Like it could be anything, you know, um, super exciting though. So I guess, yeah, learning about all this space that, and I'll, I'll kind of like, I'll bring this back to my birthday because uh, just to kind of show um, how it's related. So yeah, obviously I'm turning 33, um, which is tomorrow, um, Monday. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned being 33 is not to not do something, basically. Honestly, like when I think back now to the amount of times that I doubted myself, the amount of times I was thinking, hmm, no, I should stick to what I know. I should stick to what I'm doing now. And my advice to anyone would be, don't listen to that voice, basically. That voice of reason that's inside your head, don't listen to it, honestly. Because it's the one holding you back. And I think even though I have left my job and I've set all this up and I've essentially changed my life um, financially and everything else, and I could not be happier, 
there's still so many things that could have done more. For example, give an example. So Athlete was the first uh, uh, product that I released, which obviously still exists with Genflow, athlete.com, check it out. But we've never like pushed it. And at the same time, other businesses. So Athlete was a place where you can go and get workouts from uh, influencers, essentially. Uh, people they see on Instagram and stuff. And I had the idea way before everybody else. I did it, it worked. But then I realized that we're too fitness focused. We should do all niches. And that's what we started doing. It was the right decision and Genflow grew. But that opportunity on its own is, was massive. And that's what I mean by like, my voice in my head was telling me, look, we're too fitness. We need to go across the verticals. It's a massive market opportunity. And there was, but it shouldn't have been at the detriment of athlete. But that's what I did at that moment in time. So just thinking back, giving myself that advice or giving someone else being 33, what I would say is like, you just cannot have that regret because opportunities only come so many times. And when something, when you see it, I would say go for it fully. When something is working, go for it. So I'll give you real life examples, right? So if you've done a really good job of setting up a Shopify store, drop shipping, set up 10 more. You know, if you started an ad agency and it's working well, hire more people, get 30 more clients or start adding more services and get 50 more clients, like go for it. That's what I would say. And I think this year what I've obviously, the biggest change for me personally this year, being 33 is that I've gone from the mindset of, is my business gonna work to that I know it's working. What I mean by that is first psychologically, I'd always be kind of be like, just worried that sometimes it's, that it's, gonna, it's gonna fail at some point, essentially. But now like I know it's not going to, and we're going to keep on pushing, keep on winning. We'll always find a way. I think I was always like scared of something's going to go wrong or someone's going to mess something up. A client's going to leave. But I think this year has been a real, if I was to say mentally from where I was one year ago to now, especially because of COVID and everything, I guess I am comfortable in that now. Like I believe that not to be the case just because I believe in my ability. I, I believe in the team's ability and I believe in the industry and what I'm doing. That doesn't, I could start again today and I think we can still be successful just because of what we're doing is needed. Creators need people like us. And because we're needed, there's always going to be opportunity. So I think that's a massive thing um, this year. And I think the other thing I would say, being 33, is that for anyone younger listening, nothing changes. If anything, you just get smarter and smarter and smarter in how you operate. And I think I've said this before, how you plan your day and your time and the way you work, all of that is very, um, that is uh, something that you should start taking care of now. Um, sooner the better, because you'll be able to do more. I've learned that as well. And I think that doesn't mean balance. So just to clarify, I'm not saying like I have a better work-life balance or whatever, bullshit. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how to balance your time to do the things that are important to you. So if you want to build a business which is worth 100 million, then you got to make your time say the same. That's it. That's what I'm saying. But if you want to have lots of memories with your family because that's what's important to you at this moment in time in your life, then make sure then you prioritize that. Um, the whole work-life balance thing is bullshit because it, it, it's a thing that apparently everybody should work and do this much work, this much life, and then everyone's going to achieve their goals. It's just not the case. Like, it's like saying to an athlete that they, they need to train only this much and then they should spend time doing other things this as much. 
it's up to that person what they need to do to be able to get there because some people are slower than others some people are better than others some people need more time this and that so like this web3 stuff i'll be honest at times i'm reading something i have no fucking idea what i'm reading this is fucking confusing after going to watch five YouTube videos to know what a DAO is. Oh, okay, now I get it. Okay, let me watch these other three things. Okay, now I get it. You know what? I'm actually going to write this down into my notes. Okay, cool. So now I know it. So how you learn is on you. So if you need three weeks to learn something, but the other guy needs five hours, that's just what it is. That means you may miss someone's birthday. That means you may um, not see your parents or family or friends and go on holiday or say to your girlfriend, oh, sorry, I need two weeks. I'm doing something. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and I think that's what I've really learned and I really wish if I could tell myself, if I could tell my 21 year old something, it would be that even though I've always been a bit self-sufficient, I still was not as raw as, 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 as clear as I am now, especially this year, even more so that you arrange your time to what you feel is best. And then it makes you feel on top of everything. doesn't matter how busy you are. doesn't matter how stressed you are how anything you are, you are on top of your time. It happens to me. So the other day, it's actually the day of the board meeting. So I had a board meeting from seven till half nine. Then I had two uh, team meetings and an interview. And at half 11, it had been four and a half hours of me constantly speaking. Um, and because the board meeting is like full on, like an exam style presenting, um, I had a massive migraine. And, uh, you know, going back to time, then I had to look that, okay, look, if I give myself two hours to recover from this, then the rest of the time slots that I had in the day, I'll be able to be able to execute those. And what do I need to move around? So unfortunately, like I was meant to go out with my family. I had to then not do that because of the other stuff that I had to do because of the migraine. And it's about understanding that you don't get upset. And it's by telling others so they don't get upset. Um, so, you know, 33, feeling good. Um, and yeah, feels, feels, feels. I do have a goal. Uh, by 35, I want to be in a, uh, I guess, at the next stage of my life in terms of uh, just financial point of view and where the business is and everything else. So really interesting if I can pull that off. And um, yeah, I think, look, that's the end of the podcast. I'm actually going to San Diego from Los Angeles for my birthday. I'm going to check that out. So I'm mo I won't be online too much on the Monday. And then back to business. And uh, it's go time. It's fundraise time. There's a lot of planning to do within the business for next year. I would uh, recommend anyone to start planning the next year, the business strategy, the financial model, the cash flow. Look at what you're going to do where. Look at what's gone well and what hasn't. Be honest with yourself. What the team needs to improve on, what you need to improve on. Reflect. Start that now. And yeah, uh, so next year could be the best year ever. You know, with that being said, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Um, this is how I always do them. Just a bit raw, a bit off, just speaking. And um, I'll... See you guys uh, in the next episode next week. Have a great week.